We're in Beirut for a new episode of the Beirut Banyan. And we're joined today by Nadim Shahadi, the first return guest for this podcast. Nadim Shahadi is the executive director of Lebanese American University's New York campus. He previously directed the Ferris Center for Eastern Mediterranean Studies at the Fletcher School, Tufts University, and remains an associate fellow at Chatham House in London. I've grown fond of Nadim's perspectives, and I know he doesn't necessarily like the word contrarian, but he definitely casts doubt on preconceived notions. And in our first recording for episode five, we went back in time to Ottoman Beirut, and Nadim made me rethink the word sectarian because it brings up a negative connotation, and I think uh, he persuaded me that that's an emotional reaction to the word, and it need not be so. He also made me rethink the word secular, and I tend to think of that as more positive instinctually, and he at least made me reassess how I approach these words and whether or not they really are positive or negative, and they can be both at the same time. And we fast forward in this episode to what's happening right now, the past few weeks, because on the streets of Beirut, you see calls for the upending of the sectarian power-sharing, confessional, consociational construct that we have. And you see genuine movement to throwing that away and replacing it with a secular state. Now, whether or not we get there, Nadim does offer a different view from those protesters. He defends our diversity and that diversity's way of governing, not just, of course, throughout independent Lebanon's history, but going back to Ottoman times through the French mandate. And he believes that regardless of what happens for the moment, Lebanon will always line itself up to a degree through power sharing. There will always be a representation of all the different communities somehow. And Nadim shares his feelings from New York, seeing euphoria among Lebanon's diaspora abroad and the diaspora's crucial role in Lebanon, particularly during the post-war order. We get into all of the above for episode 45 of the Beirut Banyan. I'm Rani Shatah with Nadim Shahadi. Hi, Rani. Uh, I want to say how much I'm enjoying your, your podcasts. I, I listen to them on my walk to the office every day and back. Um, You're very kind. It's like, it's like being in Beirut. I've been watching it, but I've also been watching uh, people here and the diaspora, if you like, the, which I don't consider myself as one, one of the diaspora, but watching the diaspora here is, is also very interesting because the diaspora have always played a role in Lebanon. They've always had a different view of the country and they've always contributed. And there are, there are many factors for that first of all is that when you step when you step out of a system and you look at it from a distance it looks different you're not you're not involved in you're not sort of trapped in it so so uh, people in the diaspora get get in a way liberated from the internal uh, shackles of the of the system and 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 they see it differently and this produces a kind of political momentum that they want to contribute. Because in Lebanon, 
the culture in Lebanon is that politics is a dirty business and no mother would ask her son to get involved in politics. The first thing they would tell their, their kids is get keep away from politics. Politics has its own club. Right. And it is it has so far been impenetrable. Oh, and it's mainly diaspora people who sort of have a dream of coming back uh, on a white horse, you know, Napoleon style, that, 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 that participate in, in, in politics from outside the club. Mm-hmm. So we've seen this, we've seen, we've seen this throughout. So we've had several stages. So before, before the Civil War, if you like, we had the traditional politicians the big families who had Ottoman roots and Levantine Levantine roots and some diaspora people, of course, mm. and uh, they formed a club. You couldn't penetrate it. They were they were. They, we have to give them credit that they created the system of freedom and cosmopolitanism that 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 we that we have and that I I think we all enjoy, even if we criticize it. Uh, post-war, you have a new class that have displaced the big families, a class that is more, uh, well, it's the warlords and diaspora people. It's people from, it's, it's basically businessmen from Africa and, and the Gulf and sometimes from Europe who have come back with money and want to contribute to, to their country. I mean, Hariri, Miqati, Islam Faris, uh, there are lots of, lots of examples of, of that. I'm, I'm not sure they would have been able to penetrate the club uh, had, they, had they been in Lebanon all the, all the time. So, that's, so it's a complete transformation. And now, so, so uh, that's why this is more similar to, to 2014 for me. But is this a clash in, between the what you're referring to as a as a diaspora generation that's that's not as entrenched as the old political order? Is there a uh, is there a, a, a sort of a, a battle underway between these two groups on the streets? No, there isn't a battle. But if you are in the system, if you are trapped in it, mm. you don't feel that you can enter that club. Mm-hmm. So this there is no, so there's, there's no mechanism to enter the club if you're not one of the big families if you're not one of there's no there's no mechanism that will you know you where you participate in a political movement and you rise and you reach you reach political power political power is in the hand of a few and they they allow they, they allow you to come in so it's, this in that sense it really is a it's a battle against a a uh, a long festering of corruption that the old political order uh, embraced and entrenched after the civil war. D- did I get that right? Um, you're using big words. It's mm. not a long festering of corruption. It's a separation between the political order and society, which has its own dynamics at a very local level. Interesting. Okay, and I wanted to maybe take us from from that perspective into the chance for uh, dislodging the sectarian model. 
and we've had this conversation in our previous uh, previous yes. episode, the sort of the dichotomy and, and all that it entails. But I wanted to get your opinion on recent chance for a secular model. And it seems that it seems that there is a real momentum on the ground for a just basically getting rid of the power sharing structure. What do you gauge from when you see these? I don't think so. I don't think so. I okay. think the power sharing structure is a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the best description of it is from a Turkish historian, Engin Akerli, who described it as a form of Lebanese civility. <laughs> if we and and I'll, I'll I'll bet you today that if we form a council for the abolishing of sectarianism in Lebanon or for or of, the, of the power sharing or, or, sec, or sectarianism, uh, we, we would form it in a in a balanced way. There would be two Maronites, two Shiites, one Orthodox, one Druze, one uh, Sunni and, and all that. You know, they, they, when you say non-sectarian in Lebanon, it means it's, it, it includes everybody. So it's, it's, Mm. This is a form of this is a form of civility. You don't exclude people, and it has deep roots in society. It is a very Lebanese system. It's a very Ottoman. It comes from the Ottoman background, and and it is part of part of our our social structure. We we are civil, and we include each other. We go to each other's festivities. We, you know. Um, we we participate in in uh, we participate in each other's in in each other's uh, uh, life. So in, in other words, despite what what at least appears from Beirut, what appears to be a renewed push for a secular state, you don't see that forming. You see instead, if, if this regime were to be reformed, it would fall into a new way of power sharing. At the end of the day. You know, it's very interesting when you, what, you, what you're saying because one of my one of the things I've been observing mm. is that every person who looks at this phenomenon mm-hmm. tries to attribute to it a kind of vindication of his own ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first one was our foreign minister who said who said that this whole uprising is is in support of his own ideas, and it and 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 he he got. He kind of attracted all all the uh, anger to, to, to himself. Yeah. But if you read the articles and 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 the comments, if you're a left winger, people uh, people are saying this is this is part of a, a reaction to neoliberalism and the end of capitalism and blah blah. If you're if you're <laughs> a right winger, you say this is a reaction against the. Uh, remnants of the authoritarian system that the Syrians have uh, uh, cloned in Lebanon. They all have a bit of truth in them. Mm. Uh, But everyone is trying to find vindication of their own ideas in in it. So so people people who want to, who have ideological leanings towards secularism uh, can see secular can see that this can result in secularism, but I don't have that ideological leaning. I believe in diversity. I believe in coexistence between people. I believe that their difference is something they should uh, cherish and be proud of. And um, so, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not part of that. Uh, um, 
clan, <laughs> like or a cult. But but um, if, if you were to maybe if you were to point the finger at the root cause for what we're seeing on the streets, I mean, if you could maybe gauge where the momentum is coming from, because it's if it's not a political restructuring, do, do you sense that it's simply an economic revolt? That it's frustration with the with the horrible situation, financial collapse? Is it more there than embracing or demanding a different way of governing? No, it's not, it's not purely, it's not purely economic. I think, you know, the best analogy or, or is, is that the Lebanese found themselves at the edge of an abyss mm-hmm. and they knew they were being pushed into that abyss by the politicians. Mm. And instead of being pushed into the abyss, they turned around and threw the politicians into the abyss. Right. And this has produced an an amazing psychological factor in which they collectively feel ownership of the process. They've thrown the dirty politicians into that black hole Mm -hmm. for a Temporarily or or permanently, we don't we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And they feel ownership, and you can see that in the, in the financial aspects. There has not been a major run on the banks that we expected, because and there has been um, there has been posters saying just take what you need, because people feel collective ownership. The intangible elements of the economy are, are far more important than things you can you can measure. On so so I mean the mood Moody's Moody's uh, recent downgrading right. of Lebanon right right doesn't worry me at all because I'm very optimistic because people feel they are all on the same boat and they are exercising a certain kind of restraint. Uh, in, in, in the run in the run on the bank whether this will hold or not is, is something else but they feel ownership so it's, re- it's it's a revolt against the politicians more than the political order a, a revolt against both a new political order could emerge from this which for the first time you could see uh, a mechanism whereby people can participate I see um, I see okay from, mm-hmm. from out the system but even, I mean, you know, I've seen so many leaders of this revolution emerge, and none of them are, are you know, lots of people consider themselves as, as the leaders and are sending instructions and sending next steps. And this is, this is a totally leaderless um, uh, and ideology-free revolt. Oh, sorry, you're seeing attempted leadership, not, not, not actual... Yeah. No one has really, because yes. there, there's as of yet, there's no visible name. I don't want to name names, but there are people who have, for for a while, considered themselves as the leaders and and who feel that uh, all these people are on the street because of of them. <laughs> it's, it's, well, Nadim, let me get your perspective on. Let me get your your maybe your wider perspective. We've reached a point now in 2019 where what appears to be the majority of Lebanese from Tripoli to Nabatiye, geographically, the the country seems to be, for the the majority of Lebanese throughout Lebanon, 
want something new. They want, they want things to change. And we're now 30 years away from Ta'if. And I've been throwing out this comparison that in the Berlin Wall fell 30 years ago and, and look at Germany today. And, yes. you know, Beirut 30 years later seems like it's frozen in time, maybe in a worse state to some degree. What do you see are tangible results from this momentum on the streets, whether it's in Beirut or outside of Beirut or whether it's in the diaspora? What are the structural changes that you see that could bring about a better country, maybe not in the near future, but in the long term? What what are these? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to find actual policies that could improve the way Lebanon is governed and also alleviate some of the economic suffering. Well, 30 years ago, the Berlin Wall fell and the Germans were broke out of a cage. Mm -hmm. 30 years ago, we were put in a cage. So, <laughs> That's true. So maybe this is our breaking out of the cage. Maybe maybe 2005 was the first attempt. And now and now and this is probably this could be our Berlin our Berlin moment uh, rather rather than than uh, 1989. 1989, the Taif Agreement has a lot of faults, which have stabilized Lebanon and at the same time paralyzed it and created the situation we are in here. The governor, the governing, the governance by governance by consensus. Uh, and and power sharing is brings about corruption. There's there's no doubt about it. Uh, especially the governance by by consensus more than the power sharing. Oh, so sorry. Let, let me just interrupt you for a second. So the I just I don't want to speak on on your behalf here, but the the model that you're describing it it has a big flaw in it. Did I get that right? That of course. Oh, okay. Yes. So so in other words, what I mean the sectarian model can be both positive and negative at the same time. And this is the negative component to it. Yes. Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm not advocating a sectarian model. It depends on your definition of, of, sectari of sectarianism. I, I, I don't think there are people who are sectarian and people who are not sectarian. You know? Okay. And, and, and I see this, the sort of... Uh, Ideological secularists are as sectarian in a, in a, in a, in a way, uh, but you and I could become sectarian if we're pushed. I mean, uh, sure, sure, but the power, the you, 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 you so, so mm -hmm. if you have. Um, let, let me tell you one thing. There's one theme that's that's referring in every podcast of yours. You know, so I've listened to some of them twice, uh, uh, which is the Ras Beirut theme. Absolutely. So we both belong to Ras Beirut, and Ras Beirut can only exist if the rest of a country is at peace. Ras Beirut is not an isolated island. Ras Beirut is a phenomenon whereby when all the communities feel secure and feel that they are not threatening each other, then Ras Beirut can emerge, which is a common space where they can interact and they without consideration. So the, you, you liberate yourself from your communal uh, or sectarian in the negative sense uh, tension when there is no tension. Yeah, sure, sure. But I mean, but you were, sorry, I interrupted you earlier, but you were, you were saying that there's a, that the, the downside to the power sharing 
way that we live in is is the corruption that we're seeing on the ground. I, I hope I got that right. That that the the corruption is a byproduct of the model Lebanon uses to govern. The corruption is corruption is corruption. You can have corruption in a secular state. You can have corruption in a in a in a power sharing. You can have corruption anywhere. You can have corruption mm. in the Vatican. You can have corruption. You have corruption in Palestine, and they don't have uh, have uh, sure uh, sure sectarian system. Uh, you know, the same way as we blame everything on the sectarian system, they blame everything on on the occupation. Mm-hmm. I don't think that occupation is an excuse for the for the corruption of the leadership there. Okay, okay. Well, Same way yeah. that the sectarian mm-hmm. system are, uh, is, is, not, is not an excuse for... Okay. For, for, for and, and, you know, some of our politicians have failed in mobilizing people on, sectar- on sectar- sectarian lines. True, true. Uh, especially when it comes to, uh, say, the Syrian, when the Syrian refugees came, there were politicians who started exploiting uh, the, 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 the issue and creating uh, xenophobia and racism against them, and sure. they were not listened to in the beginning. They were listened to later when mm-hmm. things became worse, but, but there was a time when they were not when they were not if you compare this to Europe where you have less than one percent of the population are are refugees uh, recent refugees uh, and you have the far right emerging everywhere including in Sweden absolutely but I'll I'll take you back to the 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 initial point of um, I kind of diverged by accident I meant uh, that the the momentum now what we're seeing and the uprising continues what are the the um, the immediate results that could emerge in order to improve the model that Lebanon has without without something too severe, whether it's a complete uh, financial meltdown or or for that matter a, a genuine overthrow of the state? And what what would be the the tangible results that could pacify and maybe alleviate some of the protesters' concerns? You know, it doesn't have to be positive. Mm-hmm. It could be very negative outcome because such movements could uh, could see the emergence of a very populist uh, leadership, a fascist leadership, mm. a, a racist leadership, a very nationalist, xenophobic leadership. It, mm-hmm. it, 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 I mean, that's what we've seen before. Uh, and uh, that's, I mean, and we're seeing it. We're seeing the rise of populism everywhere, with not very palatable um, um, leadership emer- emerging in, in many co- in many countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So it doesn't. There's no. There's no uh, deterministic <laughs> or causal link between all these all, uh, between this phenomenon. But now, as a, as an pseudo academic or pseudo intellectual if you like I wouldn't I, I wouldn't put pseudo before intellectual I think I would put intellectual only because uh, no, I, intellectual for me is a, is a bit of an insult it's a bit like intellectuel in, Fra- in French in <laughs> the, the antelo with uh, I, I don't belong to, to the antelo class but, <laughs> but, but, but I think we should take this opportunity to look into our system in a serious way we should go back to the, the roots of the ideas, we should go back to history, we should go back to the ideas that created it. Uh, I think there is a need for rereading 
Michel Fiha, for example, who mm. is the originator of the of the system. Lots of people mention Shiha without having read him. Right. And and uh, mainly in a derogatory fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I've seen, I've seen. I, I, I look, I, I look at the index of all the books that come out from Lebanon to see how, what if if they if they if people understand the system or not, mm-hmm. and if have uh, read. Uh, I mean, one of my indicators is whether they are familiar with the ideas that brought the system about. And, and very few, very few have. So there's, there needs to be a serious discussion about the system, about its advantages and disadvantages, how it can be reformed. You know, uh, throughout Lebanese history, you've never been able to reform the system. It's a very rigid system. The reason is that when things are fine, people say, why should we reform the system? Things are, things are working very well. When there's a crisis, people say, yes, the system needs reform, but not under, uh, not in a crisis and not under pressure. But is there actually a time? I mean, I, I don't want to diverge too much, but was there ever a time people really trusted this system? I mean, it's never. I can't think of a of a stretch where people said, "No, the system is good for Lebanon." I mean, it's almost. Or am I missing a chunk of history here? Yes, I think you should. You shouldn't ask people what they want. You should see what they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know that's uh, um, they people be, even even non-sectarian, even people who claim to be non-sectarian. I mean, who are non-sectarian? I'm not saying they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would, um, because of our uh, culture, would form societies and associations where they are inclusive. That's that's. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and Nadim. If- I, I don't want to see ministries of the same color with that where people feel alienated or or um, you know there, there's there i mean let's, without getting into the degree there's a lot of things that are wrong in the country of, of course but we it's too reductionist to say it's all because of the sectarian system and if we have a secular strong state like turkey syria iraq egypt uh, Libya, Tunis will be fine. Please don't tell me that. Well, I I will. I mean, I I can't. It's there is there's a diversity of views on the streets of Beirut, but there seems to be, and may, perhaps it's a misreading of of our history and the way we're governed and and the model that's used. There seems to be a genuine hatred for the way Lebanon is governed. And I know that, I mean, based on what you what you said, I know that it's it's more it's deeper than that. It's not simply a shallow sort of the system doesn't work, therefore we should get rid of it. No, there is there is real corruption here and that's a corruption that is unrelated to power sharing. I mean, and it's real corruption. Yep. It is cor- it is corrupted society. It's not just the economy that crashed. I mean, Lebanon crashed and I I want maybe a your view on what what should be the if civil society emerges as a, as a winner, and they seem to be the backbone for for the moment, at least in Beirut, they seem to be the. I mean, it's it's there's a youth factor. There's a lot of teenagers on the street, and there's also a lot of civil society advocates on the street, and they're organizing, and they have these political dialogue sessions. 
throughout the country, actually. It's not just in Beirut. You see them in Tripoli, in Saida. And what, what, should, what would you recommend for them to do? Is it something where they should just simply enter politics and become part of the parliament? Is it, or is it something that they should do on a grassroots level, go enter the municipality and maybe work from there? And maybe what would you want them to do if, if they are one of the winners from, from this revolt? some of the definitions of civil society that are current in Lebanon because the definition of civil society in Lebanon is those people who are secular, who are non-sectarian, who are, uh, you know, of a certain uh, type of, 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 of ideology. These are the most vociferous and the most articulate, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily... And they call themselves civil society. Civil society is basically anything that's non-state. It includes communal organizations. It mm-hmm. includes uh, it, it, it includes uh, religious organizations. You know, it includes uh, uh, um, religious uh, institutions. For me, it's it's the non-state aspect of uh, okay. Uh, yes. Of, of, uh, now. Those people who call themselves civil society and who belong to a kind of a cult. In, in, in Lebanon <laughs> uh, should try and enter politics and they was, they, that will be a very educational process for them at the local level and at, at the, so some, of the some of them are extremely competent and nice people some of them are demagogues who believe that they are the leaders of, 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 of the revolution now so it, uh, you know, I, I trust some of our politicians more than I trust. I would trust them. Really, but, really, and you mean that? You mean that the current ruling elite? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, revolts like this brings out the best people and brings out some of the worst. I mean, okay, so I know that we don't need to name names, and that's not necessary. No, no, but I mean, but you genuinely mean that that these civil society advocates, some of them, are you think are less competent? than the current political crop governing Lebanon? Yes, because I don't think you can generalize on the political crop. There are mm-hmm, some politicians mm-hmm. who are good. Yes. And there are, we had ministers who, did, who performed very well, yeah. and we had people in government who tried their best and failed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, 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 in times like these, there's no rationality. And I think if I'm going to... If, I th- if, I, if you're asking me to recommend one thing, I think one should do control, alt, delete, <laughs> reformat our minds, not <laughs> and and start a discussion from scratch, look at, without without preconceived ideas and 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 uh, uh, think of uh, a, a solution to this to this situation, which. Will, which will not be the worst case scenario because we could have the worst case scenario. As I said, you can have fascism emerging from a situation like this. You can have, I mean, a Donald Trump is is the result of, of a situation like this. It was a revolt against against the. It was drain the swamp. You know, a very simple. The political class is corrupt. Drain the swamp, and you have Donald Trump, and you have. Victor Orban, and you have Modi, and sure. you have, you know, but, you have. Uh, and I don't want to challenge you on this point because it's not. I mean, I know what you're. I know what you're. Uh, what you're elaborating on, but I mean, to me, Donald Trump's 
at this point rule Lebanon. So it's almost a it's an upswell against a Donald Trump like political class. No, 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 no Donald, you see that Donald Trumps don't rule Lebanon. We, you have a very you have an establishment that rules Lebanon, mm. you have, which is which is more like a swamp. <laughs> and, and you know, revolting against that swamp. Yeah. And the danger is that you could, that someone that someone could emerge. Mm. I mean, let's not concentrate on, on on Donald Trump, but that someone could emerge and ride that wave uh, in an opportunistic fashion, which we would regret later. I just to wrap it up, Nadim, uh, and I want just. I mean, the definition of revolution, does it apply to what's happening here or is something else going on? Is it just simply a, a revolt and maybe calls for reform and it isn't at the level of revolution? What do you, what do you think about the word being yeah, used, revolution? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, what's happening is a real revolution. It's a system breaking down and, and it's, it's amazing what's happening and it's happening everywhere not just in in a, in a little bubble in Beirut it's happening everywhere in Lebanon everywhere in, 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 the, in the in the diaspora even and there's a big role for the diaspora to play I mean I'm here in New York observing these young people uh, it's very heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time to see them uh, their frustration and their goodwill and their their enthusiasm to do to do something and there's a lot they can do here i really appreciate your opinions nadim and i hope uh we can have a third episode soon <laughs> and uh i i know you don't like the word contrarian but i just like you've taught me not to use sectarian in a negative context contrarian is not necessarily negative either i appreciate you, I, I appreciate your perspective and as you said in the previous episode casting doubt which is uh, important in times of emotions like what we're seeing today uh, throughout Lebanon. So I, I really appreciate your time. <laughs> Thanks, Ronnie. Great talking to you. regularly on this podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, subscribe through your preferred podcast platform to stay up to date, or visit our YouTube channel and subscribe there. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan.